amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Welcome to episode two of the ChicagoFootball.com Bears podcast. I am Kevin Fishbane, joined today by both Hub Arkish and Arthur Arkish. Got our executive producer, Dan Mott, on hand and our associate producer, John Sally. This is the uh, preview Bears-Packers, preview 2015 season, and special Why Are NFL Coaches So Darn Paranoid episode of the show. Of course, we are sponsored by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. Find your Silverado, find your tag, choose your deal. It's that simple. Drive what Dan Hampton drives at ChevyDriveChicago.com today. A couple guests for you today to learn a little bit more about the Green Bay Packers. We have Wes Hodkwitz coming on the show from the Green Bay Press-Gazette. And we'll talk Bears and Coach Paranoia with Pat Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times. And then at the end of the show, we're going to give our picks for Week 1 and our uh, predictions for the records for the whole 2015 season. Of course, you can follow all our work at ChicagoFootball.com and subscribe to the Chicago Football Podcast on iTunes. You follow everything on Twitter at Bears underscore Insider. And, uh, Hub, we just heard uh, John Fox and Kyle Long pretty much tell us that they are not going to tell us anything about who's starting at right tackle. We are taping this Tuesday. The depth chart came out today with Charles Leno as the starter at right tackle. I don't think anybody expects that to happen. So I go to you as the person here who's covered the NFL the longest. Why is John Fox so paranoid? Well, you know, as you guys like to remind me every chance you get, I've been doing this for like 113 years now, and and I can honestly say I don't think I've ever come up against a coach who's acted this silly. I mean, there are certain things that, that are to your benefit relative to injuries, you know, to the point that if a, if a star is not going to play, you'd like to withhold that information for as long as you can. But it's a little insulting when he suggests to some of us who have covered the game for a while that the Packers' preparation is really going to change whether Kyle Long is at right guard or right tackle. It isn't, okay? They're not going to do anything differently. And, 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 and so, you know, apparently this is the way John Fox is going to do it. I think the part that's been so disturbing to me is this is not how he was advertised. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the, the media in Denver, the media in Carolina uh, reported him to be different. Every head coach is, that he had his quirks. But he's never been this difficult in the past. And, and it, again, you know, to all of our listeners, it's not about the media. It's not about whether our jobs are easier or harder. I don't think anybody cares about that. Our job is to get you as much information as we can. And this is information as a paying fan that you're entitled to know. You should know who's starting at right tackle on Sunday. And, and I can't explain 
you know, why Fox is behaving this way. I've really never seen it before in an NFL head coach. Yeah, Ron Rivera announced this week his starting wide receivers for Carolina, uh, which were Ted Ginn and I believe Corey Brown. Uh, And if anything, Ron Rivera probably doesn't want to announce that because it's kind of embarrassing for the entire Panthers (laughs) franchise, yet he went out and said it. So, uh, you know, Arthur, you, you cover the NFC North for USA Today, so you know this Packers team well. Be honest. Do you think Dom Capers is losing sleep right now, trying to decide if he needs to plan against right tackle Kyle Long or right guard Kyle Long? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure Dom Capers is uh, fairly comfortable with what he's going to be trotting out there. Uh, re- you know, regardless of who he's going up against. Uh, you know, and I, I I agree with what Hub just said. The 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 you know the the cloak of secrecy that John Fox is operating under is way over the top. I thought the training camp stuff was the silliest of it all. You got fans out there watching who's lining up in the slot and who's blitzing from what angle, and yet the reporters, uh, the guys being paid to do their jobs in that respect, aren't able to to you know share that with the fans. Um, I will say though, Mike McCarthy not much better. Jim Caldwell not much better. Um, so, you know, Mike McCarthy's got a Super Bowl ring. Uh, Bill Belichick, we know, is very much like this, too. He's got four of them. Um, so, you know, for what it's worth, there are other coaches who I believe operate this way, but, you know, maybe they've earned the right a little bit more. I, I guess that's up for debate. Yeah, and, and we'll talk to Wes Hodkowitz a little bit later about the Mike McCarthy angle to this because he agreed that there is the paranoia they see in Green Bay. And before we get to uh, – I want to talk about the Bears roster because cuts are made. We know what the roster is going to be like for Sunday. Um, but, Arthur, sticking on the paranoia topic, let's talk about real important things. What's the most paranoid thing you've ever done? <laughs> uh, I, you're not dropping a bombshell on me here because you did give me forewarning. I still don't know whether this qualifies as paranoia or OCD, but you guys know I love to go to concerts. I go every chance I get, and it seems that every time I leave the house to go to a show, even though I know I have my ticket in hand, I'm still checking five, six, seven times every pocket, every uh, wallet, orifice, where it may be. And, and I don't know if that qualifies as paranoia or something else, but it's certainly one little uh, silly aspect of me and my concert going uh, self. Did he just say he's checking every orifice where it may be? Well, I was gonna le- I was what gonna, I thought he said. I was going to leave that there and let it lie. Um, <laughs> That's like cable. Okay. That's when, when I was thinking about it today, uh, I, I – went back to my freshman year geometry class. I had those TI-83 calculators, and I had a bunch of games on my calculator I'd play during class, and I went through all this work to hide every game I could so my teacher wouldn't find it when he checked the the calculator because I was so paranoid that I would get in trouble. And and I I even put password. This is the most nerdy thing I think I've ever admitted on a podcast, um, in my second podcast, uh, (laughs) that I went through all this. uh, And it got me thinking a little bit about John Fox's paranoia. But we'll, we'll talk more about that later with our guests, Wes Hodkowitz and Pat Finley. We kind of have some fun paranoia talk uh, with them later. All right, Hub, roster breakdown. You're just assuming I'm not paranoid, huh? Well, (laughs) I wasn't going to go there. I was going to let you volunteer if you wanted to. I'm actually not usually real paranoid. I I guess the closest I would come is uh, uh, it's like the Dos guy. I don't always buy lottery tickets, (laughs) uh, but on the occasion when I have them laying around, I hide them until I check them. Oh. Just in the event that, that there's something big on them, I would hate to think that somebody else found them and took them. Well, of course, well, the only other person I live with is my wife, so that'd be a real problem. But, you know, I, I guess that is kind of paranoid and silly. <laughs> well, the one thing we can agree on as we get to the Bears roster is no matter what the roster looks like, John Fox is going to lead the league in having competitive advantages. Because mm-hmm. this whole thing <laughs> is about having a competitive advantage, which she's got to have so many at this point. Hub, you wrote uh, in your column after the Bears made their cuts that this roster lacks talent and it lacks depth. 
uh, always glass half full with our readers. Uh, but when you look at it and and you compare it to and you combine it with what we saw in the preseason, and then you see the only one guy in David Bass was claimed after all the cuts. You have, I mean, do you have more questions about this roster than you did maybe in July? Well, let, let's be clear and let's be fair about a couple things. On the first twenty four hours following the cuts. Only 27 players, sure. you know, wave total around the league were re-signed, and there's 32 teams. So, you know, one is, is pretty close to the average. And, and when I wrote that it lacks talent and lacks depth, it, it, you can't argue that it lacks, lacks depth. I mean, that, that should not be news to anybody. But as far as lacks talent, it lacks talent in relationship to the teams that it is chasing in the NFC North and the rest of the playoff teams. I'm not saying there's no good players on the team. I mean, obviously Kyle Long is one of the best linemen in football. Um, you know, Alshon Jeffrey has a chance to be a very good wide receiver. We've got to see what he can do without Brandon Marshall to take coverage away from him. Uh, you know, defensively, Pernell McPhee is looking. There, there are some talented players on the team, but in relationship to the competitive balance of the division and, and making the playoffs, it does lack talent. And, and so, um, and, and talked a little bit about this uh, on the score today uh, in my radio work there. Um, it's going to take more than one year. We knew that. You know, Ryan Pace couldn't come in and rebuild this thing in one year. But, frankly, I had hoped for, in the first year, at least a little bit more, you know, uh, and, and, and probably more via free agency. Not even, not that I want to spend more money. I just wish there was more younger, faster, more athletic prospects that have been brought in as opposed to kind of some middling veterans on one-year deals being asked to prove themselves. And in that regard, I think the talent maybe could have been upgraded a little bit more, and it wasn't. Uh, obviously, the, the rookie class would look a lot different if Kevin White was in uniform. So uh, we have to wait and see what they've done there. Arthur, when you look at the roster, where do you kind of rank the strongest positions and weakest positions? Because as I was saying, I agree completely. The talent level, there there are talented guys. I mean, you got, you've got some pro bowlers on this team. You've got some guys I think are going to make this team competitive in certain games. Uh, but compared to the Packers and what the Vikings have done and the Lions, uh, it's not at, at par. But what position kind of stands out as one that is deep and one's maybe one that's thin for you? Uh, I think one position that appears like it's going to be deep, uh, and Hub alluded to it with the top player there, Pernell McPhee, outside linebacker should be a real strength on this team. Uh, I I don't know that it's going to be sort of your prototypical guys. I mean, certainly in San Francisco, Vic Fangio had his Alden Smith, his clear weak side speed rusher. I don't see that here per se, but I do see a, a nice mix uh, when you talk about Lamar Houston coming back from the injury and obviously Jared Allen, who I think has impressed most people with his ability to to kind of conform thus far. Obviously, I haven't played any meaningless games yet. but And then Pernell McPhee, I believe, is, has been as good as advertised if you take away that first preseason game, which obviously doesn't mean anything anyway. So outside linebacker, I think, should be in pretty good shape. Now, you know, I'll, I'll stay on the defense. I think uh, a major area of concern is safety. I, I'm sorry, Bears fans. I know, I, you know you sound like a bro- I sound like a broken record here, but... Um, it's it's a real concern. I mean, even if Antro Roll does pan out, you've still got some significant depth concerns. I'm not sure any of the three of us believe Brock Vereen is a guy who's ready to be pressed into action here, not to speak for you guys, but Adrian Amos, a fifth rounder. We have no idea what he brings to the table yet. And then you've got uh, Demetri Hurst, a former corner and an undrafted rookie, uh, the, the interesting kid out of Arizona. So uh, safety, uh, it seemed like everyone just assumed that this problem was going to be fixed when Antro Roll arrived. And uh, I really think we need to slow down on that because it could still turn out to be a big, big problem. Yeah, I got to take exception with you on one thing. And by the way, for our listeners, nobody flushed a toilet in here. I don't know what that was, but we just got a strange noise in the background. It's a podcast. We're sorry for that. Um, as far as outside linebacker, they're going to get some pass rush out of these guys. 
But whether anybody but Sam Macho can drop into coverage, and he's not exactly an expert at it, how any of them are going to play the run standing up, I think still remains to be seen. I, I feel better about it than I probably did the first day of Bourbon A, but I think there's probably still a lot of question marks there too. And Arthur, yeah. you don't you don't have to apologize that the safety's bad. I mean, every every Bears fan. I mean, it's just like <laughs> the sun rising in the east. It's just they they know it. They try. You know, we'll see. The thing about Antrell Roll is. He might not be fast, as fast as he was, but you can have confidence that he's going to be in the right place as opposed to the guys they've had there in the past. But the, the one position I think is the deepest and the strongest is running back, which is good when your team is going to run the ball a lot. Uh, we, we liked what we saw of Jeremy Lankford. Uh, they they liked Jaquiz Rogers a lot. And actually, Kadeem Carey ran the ball pretty well uh, in the preseason. He doesn't bring what's to special teams what Sonoris Perry did. I'm starting to wonder about if I'm going to be really specific, offensive tackle. If with Kyle Long at right tackle, it's certainly not that big of a concern. But when you consider Jermon Bushrod's back issues uh, and the fact that it's a brand new position for Kyle Long, suddenly the offensive line, which before the season I thought might have been a strength, I got some question marks because your best player, you're putting him in a different position. I think he's going to be a very good right tackle this year, uh, but that's still a lot to ask for out of a younger player who's still new to the game. And let's not underestimate, you know, the importance of having a swing tackle, particularly in Jermon Bushrod's uh, current state, you know, with the health thing, with, with the back issues. We don't know what Charles Leno is, except for a seventh rounder of the former regime. So uh, that's a guy who's supposed to be very versatile and very reliable. And, and look, he may turn out to be a good player, but uh, I don't think anyone really wants to depend on him right now. And anyone who's watched Jermon Bushrod throughout the summer uh, is kind of kidding themselves if they think there's not a good chance that they're going to have to at some point. You know, here, here's the kind of thing that I guess is bothering me right now. And, and, and I understand you're in a no man's land. You're, you're rebuilding. You don't want to go out and sign a lot of veterans and stay older, get older. Jake Long has now been cleared by Dr. James Andrews, said the knees are fine. We know the Falcons and the Giants are, are, are very interested. If I'm the Bears, no, it's not the answer to the future, but you plug him in on the right side, leave Long at right guard, now you can really develop the young running backs and the young receivers, even if it's only for a year or two. You've got plenty of cap space. And these are the kind of things that they seem to, to date unwilling to consider. Um, and, and I guess that just it, it bothers me a little bit because it, it doesn't, interfere with or impact your rebuilding program you don't have any young tackles to develop here eventually you'd like Kyle Long at left tackle if that's where he's going so I'd feel better if they were at least doing those kind of things to try and be a little bit more competitive without getting in the way of their rebuilding plan and that's why I had to kind of stop all these Bears fans who are getting so excited about this idea of Kyle Long moving to right tackle if the Bears thought this was going to be the best plan for them they would have moved Kyle Long to right tackle back in February. They would have either drafted a right guard uh, early in the draft or signed somebody to start there. They wouldn't have moved him to right tackle the week before they played the Packers. So uh, while I think he's going to be good there, while I think the offensive line is going to be okay, this is far from an ideal situation. And you're facing Dom Capers' defense, Julius Peppers, Clay Matthews. They do have some defensive line suspensions uh, that should help the Bears. Uh, but to learn a little bit more about the Packers, uh, I talked with Wes Hodquitz of the Green Bay Press-Gazette. He kind of brings you inside uh, the Bears' first opponent for this Sunday. All right, each week on this show, we're going to go behind enemy lines and talk to a beat writer of the opposing team, learn a little bit more about the Bears' opponent. And this week, it's week one. I'm joined by Wes Hodkowitz of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, PackersNews.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at Wes Hod. Wes, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm happy to be here. 
All right, so before we get to the actual game, we're going to go a little inside journalism here because I find the Packers super fascinating, just the whole idea of Green Bay and everything that goes into having a professional team there. You know, really the mo- the only place in pro sports is like that. You cover the Packers every day for the hometown paper. What's the experience been like, again, because just because it's it's so different, so one of a kind? Yeah, you know, that's a big thing is I'm from Green Bay, so, uh, you know, the thing is is uh this has always been my newspaper um so to have a chance to work for it now uh fans in green bay i think are one of a kind it's not that i can really say and compare you know the rest of the nfl i'm sure there's a lot of rabid fan bases out there but for as small as the community is i mean i don't know if there's any place in the country that has the really the immersion into it as much as the packers do i mean if you live in green bay um your life typically revolves around this football team so uh you get a small community but yet uh, a fan base that that kind of makes it feel like a a big city and and obviously people live and die with uh you know these players you know some of the biggest hits we get on our website in a given year is the practice squad i mean people just they want to know everything about this team and uh that's probably one of the most fun things about it that um regardless if it's aaron Rodgers or you know uh Josh Walker, people people really uh, really take it all in. Yeah, and you know I think our listeners are were already mad at me from last week because all three of us picked the Packers to at least go to the Super Bowl, <laughs> and here I am talking about how cool Green Bay is and what a cool <laughs> setting it is. So if we have any listeners next week, we'll, you know we'll see. This is still early. Well, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the Packers. There are two things on my mind that I feel like. You know, from a Chicago perspective, seem to be overblown, and I'm not sure how much it's still talk about. The first on the offensive side of the ball, this whole idea of having a new play caller uh, and Mike McCarthy handing it over to Tom Clements, is that anything to make about? You know, is there anything to talk about with that, or is it it's Aaron Rodgers' offense is still going to be Aaron Rodgers' offense, and we don't expect much of a tweak, or should there be some changes that we'll be able to notice? You know, I'll say I'll say this. Um, outside of the first week of the preseason, it hasn't really been a big topic. Now, one of the reasons for that might be because they lost Jordy Nelson, and uh, you know how important he was to this offense and the structure of it. So, uh, it's probably one of those things we have to track throughout the course of the year. I, I mean, sure, if there's going to be uh, some games where they go three and out, or you know they're they're having a hard time converting first downs, or they can't punch into the end zone. There's going to be all those questions that are going to get brought up, but they were brought up too when, when Mike McCarthy was handing play calling duties. If they were bringing in a new offensive or like a new offensive play caller, it might be a bigger story. But considering Tom Clements has been here for all ten years that Mike McCarthy's been here, Aaron Rodgers that was his quarterbacks coach from day one. There's a lot of familiarity there, so uh, there's probably going to be some adjustments that have to be made uh, without having Nelson in this offense. But generally speaking, with, with how close all those pieces work together and all those parts work together and the autonomy that Rodgers has in this offense, uh, I still don't expect it to be that big of a change going into this season. I just picture some Bears fans sitting there reading, you know, oh, they have, they have a new play caller. This is it. This is where we're going to take advantage. But, uh, you know, it's <laughs> as we said, it still is uh, Aaron Rodgers. And on the defensive side of the ball, 
Uh, I was going through the Packers depth chart the other day, and, and, and there was all the talk in March when they lost Tremont Williams and Devon House to free agency. And then I look at the that that depth chart, and if we're it, just ignoring the guys they drafted, they still have some pretty established players who I know consistency's been an issue. But look, Casey Hayward has had a good year. Morgan Burnett has had good games. I mean, these guys have all had highlights. What do you make of the secondary heading into this season, and where would you rank it maybe among the units on this team? Yeah, I mean, I would have to say that even though, you know, and historically here I've thought the cornerbacks have been the strongest position on this team as far as the depth was concerned. Obviously, you have, you know, Clay Matthews, an outside linebacker, but for a lot of years they didn't really have uh, a really capable guy across from him. But cornerback has always been really deep. And right now Sam Shields is, is really the only established guy. Um, and he'll probably be matching a lot this season, although right now he's primarily been working on the right side. Casey Hayward is going to get the first shot at Tremont Williams' open spot on the left. Micah Hyde, assuming he checks out from these next spasms, will get the nickel spot. And then you got these three rookie cornerbacks, you know, Demarius Randall, Quentin Rollins, and, and the undrafted kid from Miami, Ladarius Gunter. I think all three of them throughout the course of the season are going to be pushing for playing time, especially Randall, who I thought had a really nice preseason. Me personally, in my opinion, he's been my favorite so far just because I think what he can do on the boundary uh, is, is pretty enticing. But they're going to give Hayward the first crack at this thing. He's been a fixture in the slot for the past three seasons. Um, but overall, I, I like what the Packers have in the secondary. They're extremely young. You know, even with Shield being the veteran of that group, this is only, you know, his sixth NFL season. So there's a lot of youth there. And, and I think that's going to be one of the things that uh, throughout the course of the season, I expect that position to get better. And uh, I think that's one thing, too, that, that Dom Campers is really banking on is uh, being able to really keep that, that play level up at, uh, in the secondary. Yeah, and Sunday's another chance for folks in Chicago to see HaHa Clinton Dix, who is someone, if you go back to the, before the 2014 draft, everyone had him going to the Bears in their mock drafts. And then, of right. course, he goes to the Packers. So kind of an interesting dynamic there. So now that you've explained the way the defensive back's worth, what is the weakness with this Packers team? You know, I still think it's and it's it's a really general answer, but it's the defense. I mean, particularly that that inside linebacker position. Uh, the Packers' starting defense did not look good in the preseason, and I think that's going to be one of the storylines this week. Is that um, with all these pieces, you know, Clay Matthews only played in one preseason game. Uh, Mike Daniels was injured for the beginning of camp. Uh, how is this all going to fit together? Who is going to be the dime linebacker when they're in sub packages? The Packers didn't make any big moves with their inside linebackers. They just stuck with having Clay Matthews inside, Sam Barrington, um, who was kind of exploited a little bit against uh, Philadelphia when Darren Sproles was matching up with him. I I still look at that as a weak spot. They're going to need Jake Ryan, their fourth-round pick, to mature quickly, I think. Um, And if they want to do everything that they plan to with being able to move Clay Matthews around, they need inside linebackers to emerge in the heart of that defense, and I think that's probably going to be – the biggest question mark right now is who's who's going to kind of grab that uh, brass ring, so to speak. Uh, Julius Peppers, Mike Neal, you know, even Nick Perry, they have guys that can rush from the outside. Uh, but when they want to bring, you know, Clay Matthews outside too, uh, who's going to be that guy that steps up? I think that's the biggest question and just the overall consistency of this defense. It's played really well at times, and at other times it's been, uh, you know, kind of been a, a weakness for this team the last few years. So they got to find some – some consistency and, and try to settle down. 
Well, while the Packers try to answer questions of who's going to play each role, the Bears won't answer any questions about who's going to even play on offense for them. So that that leads, you know, that's going to be an interesting matchup if I knew who was out there, which brings me to my next question for you. One of the topics we've talked about on this podcast is the idea of coach paranoia. And it's become a big deal in Chicago because it's our first year with John Fox. And we've gotten a, a bit of a Belichickian way he goes about it. And somebody pointed out to me, you know, earlier in training camp, Mike uh, Mike McCarthy uh, was being very, not not standoffish, but not talking directly uh, about injuries on the offensive line. And I'm curious, your experience covering Green Bay, um, the Packers coaching staff, uh, and, and covering the NFL as a whole, uh, in terms of coach paranoia, do you think that these coaches are overly paranoid? I do. I do. I think you can look at Jeff Fisher in St. Louis. I mean, holding off who, who their final cuts were, even though it was going to be distributed anyway to the league and in the personnel I didn't get that and the Packers have a very similar way of doing this and I think it starts with their general manager Ted Thompson uh Ted he always he doesn't want to do anything he really doesn't have to you know I mean he he takes steps and he's he does what's required of him but you know even during the cutdown days I mean he you know he wants to make sure that that the personnel notices out there before he announces things and and they, you know, they have a way with injuries. They, they don't like discussing them. They give you general parameters. But, you know, especially that last week of the preseason, Mike McCarthy wasn't having any of it. So I, I don't know if I quite understand it. Um, everybody has their different policies. You know, me personally, I go back to Pittsburgh uh, where the Packers didn't want to discuss Jordy Nelson's knee injury. On the other sideline, you know, Mike Tomlin is, is talking about Pouncey having ankle surgery scheduled and he's going to be out for a while. So you can't escape the truth. So sometimes I just don't quite understand um, the idea of trying to, to to take that away. Same thing that, as you said, with the Belichickian reference. Um, I've never quite understood it because teams know what's up. You're not hiding anything from them. Um, all these personnel departments and scouting staffs, they know all the history of all these players. So um, it, it, that that is one thing that I've, as far as my time right now covering the NFL and in Green Bay, it's uh, kind of one of the more confusing aspects of it. I don't think I completely understand some of the philosophies. Well, misery loves company, Wes. I wanted to make sure it wasn't just Chicago that is uh, <laughs> dealing with some of this stuff. Uh, I'll, I'll wrap up with this. Uh, well, it's a two-part question. The first part, is anyone in the state of Wisconsin picking the Bears to win? And then the follow-up to that is, what is your pick uh, for Sunday's game? I would guess if there's any um, Chicago transplants up here, maybe they are. But I, I think anybody that's probably been born here um, is probably sticking with the Packers in this one. I I have to go with the Packers, too. Uh, I just, I mean, Jay Cutler has to prove he can beat this team. And, and, you know, Dom Capers, as I mentioned, for all the issues that the defense has had at times, uh, it has been, uh, it's never looked better than it has when it's playing Jay Cutler. It's just, there's something about the, the zone blitz and the 3 4. It just, it seems to, uh, it just seems to always frazzle him a little bit. Now, maybe having Fangio in Chicago helps him with that. I don't know. Um, obviously, running a very similar scheme. So, uh, but but all things considered, I just I look at this Packers team even without Jordy Nelson um, and, and putting James Jones in his place now. Uh, I I still think there's a little bit too much talent there, and and I think that this will probably be a good opportunity for them to come out of the gate and get a big road win in the division. So um, and, you know anything can happen again. But uh, as far as just the history with Cutler there and the issues he's had against uh, the Packers and with turnovers, I I think this is one where you know especially going off last year that you have to think the Packers are again going to be favored. Yeah, well, we'll be making our picks at the end of this podcast, but I imagine it will be a, a clean sweep uh, for the for the <laughs> Packers in this one. Wes Hodquitz of the Green Bay Press-Gazette. You could read his stuff at PackersNews.com and follow him on Twitter at Wes Hod. Wes, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. 
You know how I'm starting to think we can turn this into a Packers podcast with all the love we we've given Green Bay over the uh, past two episodes, and now here we are talking about the Packers and Wes. You know, again, explain that he doesn't. He still he was explained some of the deficiencies in the defense, but doesn't envision a Bears upset. Where do you think you know, each week on this show we're going to preview the matchup and kind of go unit by unit? Where do you see the is, if there's anywhere the Bears could exploit the Packers on Sunday? Well, I, I don't know if they can exploit the Packers so much as the Bears are kind of locked into what they're going to have to do offensively. I mean, even if the banged-up wide receivers are healthy, there's still no Kevin White. The rest of them have had no practice or preparation, and this team's going to make its living running the football. And so if they can be successful uh, pounding them up front, I think the fact that Dayton Jones won't be there probably benefits the Bears a little bit, as uh, you know, Detroit Guion as well, I guess. Um, and and the Packers are kind of like the Bears. I mean, those those inside linebackers, uh, who knows what they've got in Barrington and Palmer? I think it is. I, you know, I mean, the safeties they're pretty good. They're much better at safety than the Bears are. So um, I suspect it's going to be a steady diet of running the football. And, and Bears fans should be prepared for some three and outs. Uh, but but you know, we saw it early in the preseason. The first couple games, you can get away with three and outs and struggling if you can pop a 50-60 yarder every once in a while. And uh, and I suspect they hope they'll do better than that. I quite frankly am a little surprised with the success uh, that the Packers had with Clay Matthews inside. I, I thought they might experiment with leaving him in there for a while. They're not going to. He's back outside uh, with Julius Peppers. That may that may play to the Bears' advantage. Uh, on the other side of the ball, though, defensively. Pack has been banged up on the offensive line. We expect most of those guys to be able to go. Um, I, I'm not sure I can find it somewhere where I can say that the Bears can afford to try and exploit the Packers because if they get carried away with the blitz, trying to take advantage of some of the pass protection deficiencies they've had in, in, in prior years, they're liable to get just pounded to death with Eddie Lacy, and, and you don't want that. So I think they're going to have to pretty much play it straight in their new 3-4 scheme and, and, and hope that they're you know more ready, quite frankly, than they've shown so far in the preseason. And Arthur, I was going to ask you about that Packers offense versus Bears defense. And when I was writing the uh, matchup report, which you can read, by the way, in our game preview, which is going to be in our Chicago football insert in newspapers, uh, Daily Herald, Northwest Herald, Chicago Sun-Times, several other papers, uh, the end of this week, uh, I went to Packers passing offense versus Bears passing defense and just wrote Aaron Rodgers and asked you if I could just go home after just writing that and not have to write anything else. I did put in a little more copy there, but is there anywhere you see on that in that matchup that the Bears could you know try to create some advantage? Uh, no, no, not really. I <laughs> All right, well, that's it. Long... It, was a, well, it was a good show, everybody. Thanks for... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just, you know, I, I got to tell like it is here. Uh, no, you know, I, this is... Maybe if it was later in the season. I mean, you know, Vic Fangio's had a lot of success against Aaron Rodgers, so perhaps that can work in his favor down the road. But I just think uh, to go into this week one with with so much up in the air still, uh, the timing is terrible. Um, and I think kind of the same thing that Hub said about the Packers defense. Uh, I worry a lot about Shea McClellan, both his ability to get off blocks and, and tackle Eddie Lacy, and also his his inability, you know, ability or lack thereof to cover Lacy. Uh, I think it can be a serious issue. 
issue. Hub talked about his concerns about outside linebackers having to cover anyone. Uh, that could be a problem with both Lacey and Cobb. So I expect there to be a, a stronger push with Lacey early. But I just and then Eddie Goldman obviously going to start a rookie uh, second rounder in the middle. He's looked great, but he's going to show his inexperience a little bit. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a master, making a lot more experienced players uh, look pretty silly there. So it doesn't bode well. I did want to go back to one thing Hub said about the Packers defense, just for the sake of uh, clarity. Uh, Bears fans will see plenty of Clay Matthews inside Sunday. He's going to be an, an early down and maybe even a nickel inside linebacker uh, before moving out to the edge uh, to rush from there. So I uh, just wanted to clear that up as well. Well, and, you know, the other thing you just touched on, Arthur, I, I like what I've seen of Eddie Goldman a lot. But, but here's a guy who missed time with a concussion. He's got hydration issues. He's not a rookie who's going to go out and play 60 minutes. You could argue that Will Sutton maybe was the had the best training camp of any bear. He's certainly in the conversation, probably with uh, Jay Cutler, Sherrick McManus, a few guys who really stood out. But I still don't see how Will Sutton can be a zero technique in a 30 front. I, I, it's just it's not going to work. I mean, you put him in there, and they get a double team on him. That's it. They may not even need to double team him. And, 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 and his greatest strength, was, which is that first step and his ability to move and penetrate, that's all nullified if you want him to eat two gaps in the middle of that defense. So um, I, I love the kid. I love the, the, the preseason he had. But that doesn't make him in any any better of a fit for this defense, you know. So uh, with, with Ratliff down, I was stunned that that they didn't keep either Terry Williams or Brandon Dunn. I like Terry Williams more, but I thought for sure one of them, at least the first three weeks, had to be on the roster with no Ratliff. And we have no idea what the backup plan is there, you know, unless they're just going to spend eighty percent of their time in the nickel, you know, which I suppose is a possibility. Yeah, which they could. Now Williams and Dunn are both in the practice squad, so it gives them the flexibility to to bring somebody up if they want, if they feel like they need to. But I, I'm with you there. I'm kind of curious to see, you know, not just how Vic Fangio uses those personnel, but his schemes, because he's going to have to try to out-scheme everybody uh, with the way their personnel is. And uh, before we get to the Pat Finley interview, uh, briefly going to ask both of you, because I asked Pat about it as one of our other questions for the show, talking about the fastest Bears, I guess a little bit more compared to actual football than last week's question, which was best beard on the Bears. Uh, So fastest Bear on the team, Arthur, you go first. Who would you say is the fastest player on the team? Well, I don't want to keep uh, spreading sunshine here, but <laughs> I think the two fastest Bears on the team are both injured and may not play this season in Sonoris Perry and Kevin White. So uh, I'm sorry to, to be a downer. I would say number three is probably Jeremy Lankford, but I'm, I'm guessing as Hub's about to say, uh, we haven't quite seen those wheels. He's had a chance in the open field a few times. Haven't seen him run away from people just yet. Yeah, but you're right. And particularly we both noted in that last preseason game where he, he sprung it and then got chased down. Um, but I do think that as he gets more comfortable, we'll see that speed, and because we're not going to see White or Perry. And my guess is Langford would beat Perry anyway, straight up, once they were both you know, fully comfortable uh, with what they're doing. Um, that, that's really my concern about Adrian Amos, to be honest with you, is that he doesn't have exceptional speed even for a safety, let alone a defensive back. Um, I, 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 you know, I'm curious what the stopwatch says about Terrence Mitchell. My, my yeah. guess is that he might be part of this conversation too. Um, but but probably the bigger issue, Kevin, we talked about this a couple days ago, is that this was one of the slowest teams in the NFL. That's why they were 5-11 and last year. 
and quite frankly, they continue to be one of the slower teams in the NFL. And again, it's hard to get much better when you don't add speed. Yeah, you know, J- Jeremy Langford would have been my pick, and it is cheating a little bit after seeing what he did at the forty. But I agree with you. I think Terrence Mitchell's one to watch. Amos is interesting. I want to see what he can do in game at game speed because I've never been impressed necessarily. I should say yet uh, by Kyle Fuller's speed. Uh, we don't really know what to expect from Allen Ball. So in the secondary, somebody is need gonna, is going to need to fly around. That's one of the questions I asked Pat Finley. We also touched back on the paranoia topic and do some more preview of Bears Packers. Here's our interview with Pat Finley, Bears beat writer for the Chicago Sun-Times. Joining us now on the ChicagoFootball.com Bears podcast is a good friend of the program, Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times covers the Bears He's also a big fan of the San Diego Padres and Missouri Tigers, in case you were curious. Patrick, hello. Thank you for being on the podcast. Um, and where do the Padres rank among your biggest disappointments of the year? They're the greatest source of stress in my life, period, every year, which uh, is probably a good thing and a horrible thing uh, about me. Well, maybe it's good that you just cover the Bears instead of being a Bears fan, um, (laughs) because in terms of stress level. But I'm thinking about stress and John Fox. He does not seem like a very stressful guy to me. Would you say that's fair? I would say that's fair. I would say that that's probably also a byproduct of having a fairly life-altering surgery a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, he's been here before. He's done this before. And, you know, the Bears have never had somebody in that situation uh, as a head coach. I don't think John seems panicked. I don't think John seems particularly concerned, uh, even though uh, you have to think that behind the scenes this injury stuff really has to keep him up late at night. You know, people ask me about what's different with John Fox. There, There is this sense of calm. There is this sense with Fox and Vic Fangio of Adam Gase. They know they probably know that the personnel is lacking, but they're just they they know what they're doing. They've been here before, so that's why I get the sense of calm. Which then brings me to your first real question, I guess, to ask you is why is he so paranoid? <laughs> that's a wonderful question. You ask him, and he tells you that it's the way he's always done it. You know, he told us a story at the beginning of training camp that every time he goes to a new city, he likes to watch the NFL coaches show there. Because maybe there will be somebody running a corner route in the background of an interview and he can spot that and add that to his list of things he knows about that team. Just because he admits that it's crazy doesn't mean that it's okay, you know, but it's a start. And I think that that John treats this as something that has helped him be successful his whole career. And uh, there's certainly no reason for him to stop now. You know, earlier in the show, uh, Arthur and I were discussing kind of the, this paranoia. Uh, you know, and it, it really came. It, it's it's come to a head several times since we first met John Fox. But I, I was really thinking about it this week with the whole "I'm not telling you who's starting at right guard or right tackle" as if it's going to really you know keep Dom Capers up at night. Uh, <laughs> I believe your colleague Mark Potash Potsy put it beautifully uh, in in the Tuesday edition of the Sun Times talking about this paranoia, which begs the question, Pat: What's the most paranoid? thing you've ever done (laughs) let's see you know i'm the kind of guy who i like to know uh, what i'm getting for christmas every year Mm. and i am not too proud to admit that probably every year since i was maybe 10 or 12 i have known at least one of the christmas presents that i uh, have received uh, ahead of time part of that is you know being a reporter uh, and you know this too is you're just kind of naturally nosy 
Uh, the other part is I have a twin brother who can help with reconnaissance and vice versa. So that's probably it. It's the annual hunt for uh, Christmas gifts. Uh, my wife's gotten to the point where she will not keep anything in the house. She'll either keep it in the trunk of her car or uh, at somebody else's house. Well, Pat, John Fox would just tell you that you are creating a competitive advantage for yourself <laughs> when it comes to Christmas time. You will always have an advantage over your twin brother uh, in regards to gift receiving and gift giving because of this paranoia. Well, and it's good to know, too, because sometimes people will get you something in a different price range than what you have purchased for them. So it then buys you a couple of days to kind of even things out. I, I'm teetering on the idea of trolling John Fox by simply saying, well, okay, is Jay Cutler starting on Sunday? Because that <laughs> is the ultimate – if he's going to go on this whole I'm not going to announce my starting lineup – that is inviting us to create a quarterback controversy, which I would love to create just for the fun of it, even though it's obvious who's starting a quarterback. But these are kind of some of the things with the whole day-to-day, week-to-week with the injuries that, that, be, that get created by John Fox and the media, between John Fox and the media. Yeah, and I mean, it's the classic, uh, so how long have you been cheating on your wife question, isn't it? Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, with John, you know, when we asked John about uh, Kyle Long, on Monday, you know, his response was that Kyle Long would probably be uh, a participant in Sunday's game. And, I would sure hope know, so. Yeah, I mean, they're just, they're just, <laughs> you got to go around and around and around with him. And uh, there's really no payoff at the end, which I think we're learning. I, I think at first we thought that if we could do the little dance with him, that, that we might be able to glean a little more than we've been able to. Well, we're, it's just before week one, and we've been with John Fox long enough. And look, he's a good coach. He's got a good record, and he was by far the best uh, acquisition the Bears really made this offseason. You can make arguments for fans, young Gase, but Fox is out there, and he will be the first to remind you. He's been doing this for a long time. He's been pretty good at it. So, you know, we understand. And, and the other really important thing, Pat, because we only do important things in this podcast, is debate. Uh, we're debating kind of the, who's the fastest player on the Bears. Uh, and I'm afraid if I asked John Fox, he would not want to give up the competitive <laughs> advantage. And we, we discussed earlier, there are legitimate ways to calculate this. We could look up 40 times, but that's boring. Uh, who, who, for your money, would you take in a race right now on the Bears? Wow, that's a good question. You know, Terrence Mitchell might have a little bit of burst to him. Uh, maybe, you know, we've seen Jeremy Lankford out in the uh, – in the open field, and at least with pads on, he looks really, really quick. Uh, I'm curious who uh, you guys have voted for so far. Yeah, you know, Langford uh, was my pick as well. Uh, yeah, you would have said Kevin White if he wasn't, uh, you know, day to day with this uh, stress fracture situation. But uh, you no, know, I think I think if if I need a race. And I guess I do have Langford's 40 time ahead, which nullifies what I said earlier about the 40 times. Uh, I, w- I would go Langford. And this is a team that needs to be faster. So they got to figure out guys on defense. And maybe that's why we could see more of Terrence Mitchell. I also would – Adrian Amos could be sneaky quick too. And that's what they really need uh, in the defensive backfield, especially this week going against the Packers because they really need to show some speed against Randall Cobb and, and everything else that Aaron Rodgers has at his disposal. Well, yeah, and everything Antrell Roll's done this preseason makes you wonder whether he still has that burst or whether he's just a wily veteran uh, who knows uh, when it's time to try hard and when it's not. I tell you this, I bet you Kyle Long would finish higher than most people think if he lined everybody up to, uh, up to run 40s. I, I think he's probably the best athlete that they've got. Uh, I'm sure he throws uh, the fastest fastball of anybody on the team, probably Jay Cutler included. Oh, for sure. I mean, if I was thinking but going by position amongst the linemen, it'd be Long. 
I think McClellan probably out of the linebackers yep. would be yep. would be the fastest. Uh, so yeah, you could go. You could have a lot of fun with that go position by position. I also would say for straight line speed, we can't ignore Mark Mariani. He's done it before. If he's in the open field. But we haven't really seen a lot of that yet, so we'll see if we see that uh, in the return game. Uh, talking to Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times Bears beat writer, Pat, uh, one of the things I like about your writing is you'll find uh, kind of some fun random stories like the uh, David Carter, the vegan the Bears had in training camp this preseason. So who is one random player on the 53-man roster you're looking forward to watching? Uh, go ahead and go for week one on Sunday. A random player. That's interesting. It could you know, be a starter. Maybe somebody people aren't thinking about. I think Jaquiz Rogers. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they use him. Uh, you know, most people think of him as probably the uh, backup to Matt Forte. Although I would argue that if Forte got hurt for any amount of time, I'd rather Jeremy Langford get regular carries. He's also going to be used in kick return now that Sonoris Perry is gone. Uh, you know, they really like him. I think they like him a lot more than they thought they would. I think. Most people looked around and saw him as special teams fodder uh, who you know, was going to be hard-pressed to maybe even make the team given uh, uh, that he's a veteran and making a little more money. I thought he had a fantastic camp. And you know, there is nothing in the world wrong with a five foot five, five foot six guy running the football down the field. I, I think that if you want fun randomness, uh, a quiz might be your guy. The other thing is I go back. I watched him. Uh, a previous job uh, in college, and you know he was just a little Mack truck. I mean, he would just plow through people. He's not a dancer. He's somebody who puts his head down and just goes. And it'd be interesting to see if you know four or five years later, uh, and against much bigger, bigger guys, if he can still do that because that's a little different than what Forte is good at. And in that sense, uh, I think it might complement Matt a little bit. And one of my favorite uh, fun facts about last year's Titanic of a season is that the Bears ran the ball really well against Green Bay in Week 4. They used a two-back set, which we hadn't seen at all, and it worked really well. And then Mark Trestman never <laughs> used it again the rest <laughs> of the asked, season. I asked Kadeem Carey about that uh, earlier in training camp. And uh, Carey said, I know, I was shocked. I, I mean, Carey thought that that's what the offense was going to look like the rest of the season. And then they never really used it again. I, I think that that's going to be an, an interesting thing to look at. Uh, maybe Kadeem's lost his place uh, kind of on the, at the adults' table there. But uh, between Jaquiz Rogers and Jeremy Lankford, uh, you know, they're going to have some weapons. I'll give you this weird stat. Do you know that in each of Mark Tressman's two seasons, he had two running backs touch the ball all year? Wow. Or run, run the ball all year, I should say. And it was uh, – and, and, you know, you look at John Fox. John Fox could have three or four guys run the ball on Sunday. And uh, and beat Mark Tressman's record uh, maybe in the first half. I might keep an eye and, and see how the Ravens do this year on offense. I'd just be curious to see because everybody saw the 2013 Tressman offense. There's something there uh, mm -hmm. before things fell apart. All right, we'll wrap up uh, with this. I, of, I want you to tell me how the Bears win, and then tell me what your pick is for the game. <laughs> Well, those are going to be two very different answers, Kevin. Um, I think the Bears win by running the football, controlling the football, uh, trying to make this thing into a 24-20 to 20 game. Uh, you know, good luck. I, I think that's going to be really tough, uh, especially if uh, Alshon Jeffrey is either not on the field or uh, not in sync, uh, which I think are pretty much your two options right now. I don't have a whole lot of faith in their defense, but I think that you could make a case that 
the best version of their defense is a nickel uh, with pretty established pass rushers at all four lineman spots. And, you know, they're going to do that a lot against the Packers. The Packers play that spread, and the Bears will have an opportunity to get after the quarterback. I, I think if both of those things break the right way, and the Bears are hanging around, hanging around, hanging around in the fourth quarter. Uh, stranger things have happened than the home team winning a game early in the season. You know, even if we look at college football uh, this year, I think that, uh, you know, the, the mild upsets in week one were home teams that kind of hung in there. Uh, I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to beat them by maybe 13, and I think that it's probably going to be 20 at some point, maybe early in the fourth quarter. And then the Bears will do something cosmetic to get it back. I don't know, call it 33-20, something like that. All right, I like that little subtweet, by the way, about mentioning Northwestern's upset win over Stanford because we haven't talked about that yet. I guess this is a Bears podcast, but um, you know, you, you kind of brought it up, so I'll go ahead and, and <laughs> take, it, take, take that base. and run with it. Uh, really quick, Pat, your season record prediction for the Bears. Oh, shoot. Uh, I I thought it was 7-9 and nine before training camp. I think things – have conspired to make it probably six and ten. Six and ten would be my guess right now. Okay, well that's an improvement from last year, and that's uh, everyone's uh, trying to improve. You know what? We're all day today, Kevin. We're all day today, and all we're trying to do is win the day and wake up tomorrow better than we were today. Absolutely, that's why I brought you on here for words of wisdom like that. Patrick Friendly, <laughs> Chicago Sometimes Bears beat writer. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, anytime. <laughs> That's always a fun interview and uh, always uh, has a fun angle at looking at the Bears. Very creative. And as uh, we were talking about during the interview, Hub and I, he's uh, very well dressed. Only guy on the beat, not afraid to match the tweeds with the stripes and the occasional pink or lime green accessory. And uh, I find him to be uh, yeah, quite a courageous dresser. I would agree. and uh, But he doesn't match you, Hub, when you wear your Beatles t-shirts sometimes, yeah. which fans love. I'm the only one vintage enough, guys. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap up this show like we will every week with our picks for the upcoming game. We're also going to give you our season record prediction uh, at the same time. And this week, Bears, Packers, Noon Kick, Soldier Field. Our executive producer, Dan Mott, you're up first. I'm going with Packers 42, Bears 28. I don't think that the uh, Packers are going to put up 40 in the first half uh, like they've done in previous games, but uh, I think it will be uh, what they wind up essentially uh, winning by. And, Arthur, your pick for Sunday's game. I'm going to say Packers 31, Bears 20. I do believe that the commitment to the run will at least help keep the Packers off the field and keep the scoreboard not lit up all day long. Hub? You know, whenever we're making these picks, I try and remember what I've done in multiple locations so people don't think I'm trying to play you know, both sides against the middle and claim a winner. I believe uh, we had our deadline tonight. I think I said Packers 37, Bears 20, either 37-20 or 37-17. Um, I think things will get better for the Bears as the season goes along, but they are not in the same – well, they are in the same league as the Packers, but they're not in the same class as the Packers right now. Yeah, I have 31-23 Packers, so Packers barely covering the spread. I, I think that the, the fact that it's the first game of the season – could help the Bears because the Packers really don't know what to expect from Fangio's defense, and maybe it'll take a little bit for Aaron Rodgers to get used to an offense. Uh, who am I kidding? Aaron Rodgers will be just fine. All right, <laughs> quickly go around the horn again. Your season record prediction for 2015 Bears, Dan Mott. I got Bears going uh, 6 and 10. Arthur? I'm going to say 7 and 9. Hub? I had him at 6 and 10 before Bourbon A, but I'm not really ready to back down to 4 or 5 wins, so I'm going to stay at 6 and 10. You know, I had eight and eight before Bourbonnet, and then 
you know, it's one of those things when you join an NCAA tournament bracket, if you're the one outlier and your thing is right, you win the pool. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to stick with that 8-8 eight and eight, as ridiculous Ooh. as it still seems today <laughs> and sounds because who knows, if they actually get there, I will for once in my life, be considered a genius. That'll do it for episode two of the ChicagoFootball.com Bears podcast. Thanks to my co-hosts, Hub Arkish and Arthur Arkish, executive producer Dan Mott, associate producer John Sally, our guests Wes Hodkowitz and Patrick Finley. Don't forget to get all of your Bears news and analysis at ChicagoFootball.com, and you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, and our fantasy football podcasts are there as well. We want to thank our sponsor, your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. Be sure and visit ChevyDriveChicago.com today and drive what Dan Hampton drives. Be sure to follow us all day on Sunday. Bears-Packers, when we come back next week, we'll actually have a real football game to be talking to you. Thanks, folks. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.